Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. The Chiefs have a Bengals problem and they have a Bills problem. And until they can get past these teams, Kansas City can no longer be considered the favorite in the AFC to represent the conference in the Super Bowl. Three times in a row, the Cincinnati Bengals have beaten Kansas City. Three times in a row by three points. Three times in a row, the Chiefs' game plan seemed to be We'll get on our knees, we'll pray that Patrick Mahomes will win the game, and it doesn't materialize. Instead, the Bengals, with their unbelievable balance, running the ball, winning the clock, total time for the game, and making a brilliant pass on third and 11 to ice the game away and not give Mahomes the ball back, beat the Chiefs 27-24. In the process, Kansas City falls to number two in the AFC, tied with the Buffalo Bills, who, via the tiebreaker, have the one seed. Shouldn't surprise us. Chiefs don't beat the Bills, and they don't beat the Bengals. Until that changes, Kansas City cannot be considered the favorite to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Chiefs had every opportunity in this game, up 24-20, driving to go up 11. Travis Kelsey, with a big play across the middle, is fighting for extra yards when he is stripped of the ball. Changed the entire game, and everybody seemed to know it at the time. Kelsey was despondent on the sideline after the play. You could see the life zapped out of the Chiefs. The Bengals quickly went down and scored a touchdown and took the lead. This was sort of like the old George Thorogood song. One fumble, one missed field goal, and one sack. Well, that's unacceptable, and that's what the Chiefs were. It was only one mistake in all three, but it cost them this game. When you play the Bengals and you play the Bills, you can't have a bad fumble, you can't miss a field goal, and you can't go an entire game with one sack. What in the world was the Chiefs pass rush doing on that last play on the third and eleven? Mike Dana was the player who nearly got to Joe Burrow, and it looked like he stopped as he got there, like he thought the play was over or he was going to get called for a foul or something. It was very bizarre looking to me. The throw was perfect to T. Higgins. They got 14 yards in the first down, and the game was over. Unfortunately for the Chiefs, their strategy of making plays, getting the ball back to Mahomes, and expecting a miracle win doesn't really work against these better teams. And these teams, while the Chiefs are getting better running the football, They just seem to have more balance. The Bengals have developed a running game. They deployed it against the Chiefs. Joe Burrow was sensational in this game. Man, was he good. 25 out of 31 for 286 and two touchdowns. Joe Burrow now in the conversation for MVP, as is Patrick Mahomes. The good news for the Chiefs, they may not wind up tied for the one seed in the AFC. They still have every chance in the world to be the one seed. An easy schedule the rest of the way. We'll have the Chiefs favored in all five games. And there's a real chance the Chiefs go 5-0 and the rest of the way. But what if they do? Can they beat the Bengals at Arrowhead? Can they beat the Bills at Arrowhead? They've shown nobody that they have the ability to beat those two teams. Perhaps it's no different than the AFC West, the way the Chiefs dominate the AFC West, the way they always beat the Chargers, the way they always beat the Broncos. Maybe this has become Kansas City's Achilles heel. Maybe the Chiefs are really great at winning the regular season. Maybe they're really great at winning the AFC West. Maybe they just can't beat the Bengals or the Bills. All I know is the AFC is hard. There are great quarterbacks and great teams everywhere. It's anybody's guess who will be in the Super Bowl. Is Kansas City in the conversation? Absolutely. But they are no clear-cut favorite. Not after losing a third time in a row to the Cincinnati Bengals. Stan Weber will be here to discuss it all. We'll also talk about bowl matchups. Kansas State, champions from the Big 12 taking on Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Missouri plays Wake Forest in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa. 
and Kansas will play Arkansas in the Liberty. A missed opportunity for KU and MU to play. We'll get Stan's thoughts on all of that. It's brought to you by 360 Document Solutions. Online at 360documentsolutions.com. Anywhere in western Missouri or the entire state of Kansas, Mark Lindquist and his team can help your business be more profitable. Dump those expensive copiers. Get rid of anything that says HP on it. And get a new deal. Copiers, printers, voiceover IT solutions, mail systems, 360 Documents can help you save money and be a better business. Call Mark at 913-745-5344 or online at 360documentsolutions.com. Fry Orthodontics, where your smile is just the start. Dr. Jeremy and his team would love to give you the perfect smile for life, no matter what your age is. Maybe it's your teenager, maybe it's you. Invisalign could be perfect for you to correct that smile and give you the confidence you've always wanted. 13 locations in the metro area. Nobody treats you more gently and kinder and has more fun through the treatment process than Fry Orthodontics. Again, online at fryorthodontics.com, where your smile is just the start. And Advantage Termite and Pest Control, online at AdvantageTPC.com. Don't forget, Advantage and all the other sponsors of the podcast are at The KK List. If you go to my website, TheKKList.com, you can see everyone, including the phone number for Advantage Termite and Pest Control, 913-768-8989. That's 913-768-8989. Aaron and his team at Advantage Termite and Pest Control We'll make sure you never see any critters running around your place. It's the only pest control company I've ever had for over 20 years. This time of year, spiders are coming in, crickets, stink bugs, mice. Get rid of them. Blast them away. Or if you don't really know your pest control company, switch to someone you know. These folks are just like you. They're great American patriots. And they'd love to do an honest job for you. Advantage Termite and Pest Control. AdvantageTPC.com. Okay, as you can tell, I'm fighting through a little bit of a cold here. I am very fortunate to have Stan Weber today. This is an excellent thing that he's with us. I'm sure he will carry the day, and we've got a lot to talk about. With the Chiefs having a Bengals and Bills problem, KUK State and Missouri all headed to bowl games. On the football feast. The KK Has Issues Conversation is presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com. Okay, I could be all wet. Stan Weber's here to bring some reality to this thing because I'm going to defer to him, and I'm going to hope that he picks me up a little bit And the fact that the Chiefs maybe have a better shot at this thing than I think. Hello, Stan. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Kevin. Obviously, uh, the NFL regular season is so awesome. I know the Chiefs lost, but there's still play left. We got a good five games left or so until the regular season ends, and then we got the playoffs to reset and get ready again. And then, obviously, you know, historic type of Saturday for the K-State Wildcats, getting a chance to broadcast in AT&T Stadium. Again, I've done it. Uh, this is my third game, I think, there. But K-State wins a Big 12 championship. So these are things you never forget. 2003, 2012, and now 2022 will be years K-State football talks about forever. And I don't know too many people that are talking about the Big 6 championship. They actually have four in 1934. So I'm not going to worry about the 1934 one right now, but uh, the NFL is not done yet. Uh, a lot to talk about with the NFL, a lot to be done in December, but for college football, we take a deep breath, get a little break here and uh, an amazing finish for the Wildcats, obviously. Well, we've got three bowl games to talk about as well. Missouri and Kansas qualifying for their bowls. We'll get to those in a bit, but let's start with the Chiefs, Dan. I, you know, I just sometimes feel like the Chiefs 
rely too much on Patrick Mahomes and expect him to win every game at the end. In this game, he didn't get the chance to come win it at the end. I don't think that can ever be your strategy. And I don't want to insult Andy Reid and say, look, that's his strategy going into the game. But I do think they get, they have a reliance on Patrick Mahomes is a magician, will be fine in the end. You kind of sense that sometimes when you watch them play games? Yeah, I think that's true. And it is turned up positive so much. Why wouldn't you uh, say that's the best statement we could ever say? Who would we want to be the quarterback in big games more than Patrick Mahomes? Who would we want to be the coach in those big games more than Andy Reid? Well, you might talk about Belichick and Brady if they were together, but they're separated. So it is a real good situation. It's something today that you shake your head on and say, so reliant on Patrick Mahomes. You're working with too thin of margin of error and all of that. But you know, look how many games they won straight in November and December, how they dominate the division. And they are Patrick Mahomes-led uh, without a doubt. I mean, we spent many we- weekends uh, evaluating and then talking about it on the podcast the next week. Kevin, about, hey, the Chiefs pulled it out today. They weren't really better than the other opponent, but boy, Patrick Mahomes was magical. So that is where they're upon. And, uh, you know, I'm still one that says Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey, those four together are unbelievably great, and they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. I know the stats show the Chiefs are doing fine, and they will. They're, they're good. The Chiefs are good. I Patrick Mahomes has gotten better as a quarterback. Uh, the defense has gotten better for the Chiefs. And those are the things that you got to make up. But there is even more pressure on Patrick than ever before. So far, he's been able to come through, and he wasn't able to hear. But we're setting up, you know, the thing to look for when you get to the playoffs. And the regular season still matters. You know, the Chiefs cannot take a deep breath and assume everything's going to be fine. They've got to get to work to get the best seed they can. Because right now, Kevin, what I see, when you talk about getting to the Super Bowl, you have three teams that are elite Super Bowl ready in the AFC. Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, and as you know, I've been saying Cincinnati Bengals for a long time, especially Joe Burrow. So I think the Bengals proved that yesterday, that they need to be in the same conversation with the Bills. By the way, those two teams play each other in the last five regular season games, Kevin. Now, that's going to be interesting. At least one of those two are going to have another loss, and you might be rooting for the Bengals to beat the Bills to help the Chiefs out. But think about the playoffs. One of those teams, either the Chiefs or the Bills, are going to have to play the Bengals, and the other one. That's when it gets tough. Can you beat both the Bills and the Bengals? Or can the Bills beat both the Chiefs and the Bengals? Who has to play two elite games to get to the Super Bowl versus one? That is where the odds really start favoring the team that somehow only has to play one elite opponent in the AFC Championship game. And that's going to be interesting to see how it sequences out. The best way to do it, obviously, is get the number one seed. Then you get advanced for a week and not have to play a game against a good AFC opponent. And then hopefully you don't have to play that other great team until the championship game. So it's really weird. I think the Chiefs are still the favorite. As you mentioned, the Bills and Bengals play each other. I think they're still the favorite stand to be the one seed in the AFC. The Chiefs could run the table, but even winning four out of five to finish may get the job done. But I don't think that means they're the best team. I I watch them play the Bengals and I watch them play the Bills. And I no longer come away from these games thinking the Chiefs are the better team. Why is that? Well, I think that's fair. Um, you know, the Chiefs don't pressure the quarterback in critical situations very well. And it's one of the things that elite teams do. Uh, you, you look at Vaughn Miller with Buffalo, uh, even the Bengals. When it comes game time, isn't that when they put their best pressure on the quarterback? They find a way to pressure the quarterback. The Eagles are able to do it. 
the Chiefs are the one team that have to deal with this star quarterback and the weapons they have being able to function from the pocket and able to roll out and make plays. And I think that's the one challenge that has to scare you. Because if you say Patrick Mahomes is dropping back and simultaneously, if you could do that, Joe Burrow's dropping back, what do you think is going to happen in the pocket? I think there's a decent chance Patrick's going to have to move, that his offensive line isn't dominant, the left tackle's not dominant, uh, that, that he's going to have to move around to make a play. With Joe Burrow, don't you think he's going to have an extra tenth or two of seconds to throw the ball? Do you think Joe Burrow is going to get sacked when the Chiefs are coming toward him? You know, I don't. I think Joe's going to get rid of the ball. And I'm a big believer if Joe Burrow has his feet set and throws the ball, I don't even need to see the rest of the play. Count me in at 95% completion rate. When that guy fires the ball, it is accurate. It's to the right guy. Uh, so I think that, you know, that those critical plays, there's so much pressure on Patrick to get away from the rush, turn around, scramble just to the right ability, choose to run or throw the ball to a receiver. And so, uh, yeah, I have no problem with you having all the respect in the world for Buffalo and the Cincinnati Bengals. But I do think there is a coaching advantage for the Chiefs. That's to be factored in. And there's a championship level used to being able to play at these games, these elite games. Patrick and Andy have been in them a long time and have a lot of great experience. So I'm not there to say, oh, Cincinnati is going to beat the Chiefs or they're better than the Chiefs or Buffalo, but it's darn close. And down after down, if you take the emotion away of a last-second play in a Super Bowl setting or AFC championship, I give the advantage to the Chiefs. But down after down, Kevin, I have no problem. I think that the other teams match up well. And the thing that Chiefs fans have is a confidence level that you got to be careful about. Until proven otherwise, I guess you don't have to be careful about is how many times are the Chiefs in third and eight, third and 11, third and 15, and Patrick Mahomes converts? That defies all the analytics and odds, Kevin. Other teams don't do that. And he pulls the rabbit out of the hat all the time. And we get used to it and act like, oh, that's just the Chiefs and it's easy. I think that the thing you're seeing is down after down, the Chiefs aren't better than the Bengals or the Bills. But Patrick Mahomes' magic is the thing in Andy Reid's coaching and the belief that the Chiefs have that we're great. All that is important, and that's why yesterday's game is important, Kevin, because what did I just say? The Chiefs organization, coach, and most importantly, players believe they're going to win. They think something good is going to happen. Put them down by 10 points in the Super Bowl, doesn't matter. They believe something good's going to happen. What the Bengals did yesterday is possibly put doubt in yes. the Chiefs' mind. And you this is it. new, Kevin. You, yes. This is new. Did you? Because I thought I saw it after Kelsey fumbled. They kept showing him. They kept showing the bench. The team looked defeated. They knew they had a chance to go up 11 points. They were marching downfield to go up 11 in the fourth quarter to win a football game. And I think when they fumbled that ball, I think everybody felt like, wow, we just lost this one. And another thing I think that happened is these NFL players, I'm not here to, I'm not cutting them down with this statement at all. Please realize this is not a cut down. They are in the in the NFL season, Kevin, that's like a marathon. So if you're a marathoner and you're running mile 10, 11, or 12, come on. You cannot have that be a distinctive mile. You just keep cranking, right? I mean, you're going fast as heck if you're an elite marathoner. But to you, you're just cruising along. That's the mentality of an NFL player. They're kind of in a zone. Does that make sense? They don't rise or fall very much. They're not nervous before the game. They have their routine. They go out and play, and they've learned even to lose and move on to the next week. They are trained, 
trained creatures that just know how to keep going and going and going. But once in a while, things will change that. It might be the old Marty Schottenheimer saying it's Raiders week, week, right? Chiefs weren't the same that week. They found a reservoir of energy and emotion and said, we're taking it to another level. We're concentrating. We found that when the Chargers are playing the Chiefs uh, last uh, two weeks ago, whenever it was, the Chargers had to win that game or their season was not going to be uh, AFC West champions. So what did they do? They fought like crazy, right? There's that extra focus. I proposed to you, Kevin, the Chiefs dipped into that reservoir going into this game. Patrick Mahomes and the boys said, we're concentrating. We're mad. We're going to do it. And whenever the Chiefs get mad and start focusing, wow, they've always come through with success. When they, when, you know, sometimes it's in a game where Patrick says, that's it. Let's go. You know, and then they turn it on. They've always been able to do it. Yesterday, I think they had that mentality going into the game. And then midway through the game, Patrick was all fired up. Did you see him after he made that touchdown run? Steam was just coming out of his ears. It's like, I scored. That was a touchdown. Don't talk about it being a fumble. Let's go. We're coming after you, Bengals. And it didn't work. This is a whole new level of questions. I'm not going to say doubt yet, Kevin, but there is a whole new level of questions for the Chiefs on a couple of fronts. This is one of the few times since Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback where they went into the game saying, this is a different game, man. We're going to go prove something. We're mad about this. And then during the game, the emotions even took them to a place where they're in the fourth quarter. They're like, we are bringing it, baby. This is not just another game. This is not one that you go, whatever happens, happens, and we'll be back on Monday getting getting ready for Denver. They were fired up and wanted to win. And when the rug was pulled out from underneath them with the fumble, missed field goal, and a third and 11 pass that was unbelievable by Joe Burrow to Higgins, they went into the locker room. And for the first time, Kevin, I think in a long, long time and maybe ever, it didn't work. It didn't work when they concentrated, when they got mad, when they slept an extra hour during the week. And in the fourth quarter, they said, we're going to win this thing. And it didn't happen. So I do think that this is psychologically a very important game, boosting the Bengals' confidence up and making the Chiefs say, where are we really? Because, Kevin, your analysis is maybe they aren't better than Buffalo or Cincinnati. And no Kansas City Chief player ever thought that last Wednesday. Do they think that now, Kevin? Are they with you a little bit? And that becomes dangerous because this is a psychological a millimeter difference type football game. To be elite, Kevin, it is so close. And confidence is a big factor. Does this affect the Chiefs' confidence down the road? Well, it was amazing. In offense, defense, and special teams, they had one. You know, was it, to me, it was a game of ones, okay? They had one fumble. They had one missed field goal. And they had one sack on defense. You can't have that. I mean, you can't. Those one, that one thing in all those three phases, by far the difference in the game. If they don't fumble... If they don't miss a field goal and they get more than one sack, they may have won this game by double digits. I mean, it literally is that small a number of plays. And the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs now three times by a field goal. So these teams are very, very close. I'm not saying the Chiefs can't make it to the Super Bowl. But right now, I, I don't feel like they will, even if they're the one seed. I just don't I just don't think they're going to beat the Bills or the Bengals anymore. I've just watched them lose to those teams too many times. <laughs> it's Monday, baby. I love it. I love the emotion, the caring. Well, what do you think, and, Chargers uh, fans? Do you think Chargers fans think they're going to beat the Chiefs when they line up to play them? No, no. It's a it's a fair analysis. It's a fair analysis. You know, if A equals B, B equals C. Uh, yo, why do we as Chiefs fans say, or why can I say, oh, we'll be back in an even game with the Bengals? Don't worry. I mean, it's fifty fifty. I'll give them that. But 
Uh, Chiefs will be fine. They'll bounce back. Here we go. Do it again in the playoffs when you don't feel that way about the Chargers. Because the Chargers play the Chiefs as with a dangerous uh, a mentality. They match up well with the Chiefs. They're focused. I get it. The Chargers are a dangerous team to the Chiefs. And guess how the outcome always comes? Chiefs win, Chiefs win, Chiefs win. And so do we go back to the Charger games and say, boy, we, we probably should have split those. We're lucky to be 2-0 and against them. No! So I, I get it. I get it. But, you know, they're not a division foe. Hey, I'm just – Kevin, you know what I think about the Bengals. Did I start telling you a third of the way through last year yes. or half of the way through last year? Yes. It, Joe Burrow's a killer. The dude's a killer. He's, he's, he's like um, Tom Brady. His mentality is like Tom Brady. I'm telling you, he's a killer. He is out there to win, and you cannot knock him off. He is dead focused all game long, and it's not like he had a great game against the Chiefs here or there. He took that LSU team and cut everybody's heart out. And Ed Ogeron's the worst college coach around at that time. And they had one of the greatest teams ever. And sure, they had superstars all over the place, Kevin, but the guy who killed Alabama and Clemson was Joe Burrow. Accurate passer. And what really hurt the Chiefs yesterday is his knees did not seem uh, slow. He looked really nimble, like running. He looked very nimble, throwing those little passes after he moved in a pocket. I would say that's his weakness, that he cannot move in the pocket to keep plays alive very well, and yesterday he did. If he does that, then he can start knocking on the door of being the best quarterback in the NFL, fighting Patrick Holmes uh, for that honor, because you probably don't have Aaron Rodgers in that discussion this year. So uh, he was moving well yesterday, but even if he's not moving well, Kevin, you got to sack him. That's how you beat Cincinnati. You sack the quarterback, and guess what? The Chiefs didn't do it. Are unreliable in right. doing, Kevin. Yeah, Burrow's I flaw. do not believe in a Chiefs pass rush. No, it's Burrow's flaw. He takes too many sacks, and the Chiefs couldn't get to him. And and Mahomes looked. I you can't use the word rattled when you talk about Patrick Mahomes. It just does not apply. Now I'm nitpicking here, but you are quarterback, so I want to get your thoughts and see if you saw this in this game too. I I'm watching too many Patrick Mahomes passes where he's leaning back, he's falling backwards and throwing it as he's falling back, which means he's worried about the rush. He's worried about getting hit again. It's a little bit lazy when he's not stepping in the throw. He threw some floaties yesterday downfield because he kind of leans back as the rush is coming at him. Did you notice that too? And is he playing just a little bit scared? Well, there's no way we can say that Patrick Mahomes is playing scared, but his fundamentals have such a variety of, of utilization. You know, it used to be we knew what fundamentals look like, okay? Look at Dan Marino and guys like that who threw from the pocket and weren't great runners. And you know what a quarterback balance needs to be, Kevin. Uh, we, we know about it, and there's quarterback gurus all around that talk about all the positioning of the left shoulder, uh, the arm, the, the off arm, where your elbow needs to be, how you hold the football, what your grip's like. All those things are important in fo- football fundamentals and passing. But Patrick has such a variety of ways that his fundamentals go a, a wider spectrum, and there's no problem with him leaning his arm to the side. A sidearm throw for him is a perfect spiral. So we got to give ourselves room and redefine what he is doing and what he's not. But what I love about what Andy Reid's doing, and now he's got his offensive quarterback guru back with him again, right? Uh, and then he also studies and, and evaluates himself. I do think there's room for your comment, Kevin, uh, and that is the fact that I think that he can say – by watching the tape, I need to do a few things better fundamentally. I'll propose to you that during last year, from the beginning of the year of the way we talked about the Chiefs with a losing record and what we saw at the end of the year when they were fighting that cover too, I thought he 
changed his fundamentals, his discipline on the field tremendously. And then in his offseason, he's, he's jumped it up three notches. His ability to throw from the pocket right now and throw to all different receivers is incredible, not to look deep and, and stuff. So we know that he's been able to improve and he cares about this stuff. Your point, I think, Kevin, is well taken. I think he'll go back in the tape and say, hey, don't lean back on a couple of these deep throws. I mean, he can flick his wrist and throw the ball 40 or 50 yards. But when he's really, remember those deep throws down the, down the middle, one of them ended up being incomplete. I'll propose to you that it got there a little bit later than it should. It looked like a perfect spiral, and the, the cover two safety got over there and knocked the ball. But, Kevin, I think he, you know, nitpicking, yes, nitpicking, but it's the kind of thing that Andy Reid will do, Kafka will do, and uh, Patrick Mahomes. If he doesn't lean back, he puts a little more velocity on it. The ball flies about three more yards, and the Chiefs might have a 70-yard touchdown rather than an incomplete pass. So I saw a couple of those uh, in the game. There's also another one that could have been intercepted, right? Where there are like three Bengals that bounced off each other and could have yeah. intercepted a pass. So I, I do think he's going to evaluate that, Kevin. And I do think that uh, the thing that hurt him at the beginning of last year, I believe, was that he didn't believe in his tackles. Uh, deep down, subconsciously, he was, he was fading or moving up in the pocket too early. And the question is, does he again have a little thing in his mind that right. says, I need to move in the pocket? I don't think it's been a problem throughout this year, but does he have that start inching back in? We all have to reevaluate where we are and recalibrate, right? I mean, we're, we're almost like a clock. We're, you know, every once in a while, we need to reset. And I do think he needs to do that. He's been great at it this year. I'm not worried about it. But if you want to talk about this game, and if we are looking about tape, Kevin, I can go with you that there are three or four throws that you say, hey, Patrick, just step into it a little bit more. Right. And it'd make a, a difference so, on your velocity, how far you throw it downfield. Okay, the other thing that happened in this game was Andy Reid shows tremendous confidence in all of his players. We know why he has so much confidence in Patrick Mahomes and certain other star players on this team. I get that. But he likes to show confidence in everyone on this team. He showed enormous confidence in Harrison Butker to attempt a 55-yard field goal with three minutes to go and at the same time was showing an immense amount of confidence in his defense to what? Get a stop and get it to overtime or get a stop and maybe have a, a, a prayer of a chance back with just a minute to go or something like that? I'm not sure I know exactly what he was playing for right there but he was not showing any confidence in Patrick Mahomes to get the first down. Did that surprise you? No, not me. Um, I guess now that the game is unfolded, finalized, and the Chiefs lost, there's a lot of jumping up and down. Uh, newspaper articles, I've seen some of those. Everybody says, you've got to go for fourth down there. You've got to go. And not me. I mean, Patrick got sacked on the previous play. He came up limping. Uh, you, you, okay. You make the field goal, the game's tied. Everyone says, well, the Bengals are just going to go right down and score. Okay, let's say you make the fourth down. Oh, by the way, everybody, you only have a 50% chance. Everyone says when you go for fourth down, they act like you made it, Kevin. So if you miss fourth down, you have no tie, and the Bengals have the ball. Is right. everyone throwing up their hands and saying game over? Agreed. Have- I, I, I agree, but what, what, I think what people Lumber. are saying is okay, Pat- because what people are saying, though, is give Patrick Mahomes the chance to win the game, not Butker in your defense. Okay, so let's say that they, they – okay, first of all, 50% chance that Patrick Mahomes doesn't get a fourth and seven, and then you're even in a worse situation or equal to where missing your field goal. Now, next thing is if he makes the fourth down, you still have three and a half minutes left. The Bengals have timeouts left. He's not going to run out the clock, Kevin. So right. what are you going to give me? 
Are you Mike? guaranteeing it's a touchdown? No. Nope. Are you going to go for fourth down? At, I mean, if he kicks a field goal with 45 seconds left, okay, the Chiefs tie the game, and now the Bengals get a chance to go win it. How about if he ties the game here, the Bengals go down, kick a field goal to get ahead, the Chiefs have time to get it again. Game sequencing says give the Bengals the ball now, and we'll get the ball back mm. knowing if we need to get mm. seven or three. They should – they, they, they we're going to get the ball back I, with what a I, minute and a half? Maybe, but if they, the Chiefs that get it, third down and eleven, right. the third and eleven is what killed them. Uh, there's no doubt. There's, goal, no, there's no question. The third and eleven killed him. But again, that's Andy Reid playing to his defense, which I just think is bad business. Even though the defense has improved, I think it's bad business. Look, the Chiefs had every opportunity if they get the first down on fourth and seven. I think it's a coin toss here. I'm not. I'm not being overly critical of Andy. I'm just. It's hindsight. This is easy for us. Okay, they should have gone for it because they never got the ball back. But if the Chiefs get the first down there. There's a reasonable chance they kick a field goal with something like 17 seconds left and go to overtime. There's also a reasonable chance they score a touchdown with less than a minute to go and take the four-point lead, which is huge. I mean, all those things could happen if they convert the fourth down. Yes, no, hey, if you get the seven points, if you're telling me that you've just advanced the whole game and you played it out a million times and you're saying they get the seven and there's no time left for the Bengals, that's the perfect scenario. What isn't the perfect scenario is there's a 50% chance on the first play that they don't make the fourth down and the Bengals get the ball back. But if he gets the first down, that doesn't mean that three plays later and he's not looking at another third and seven with a right. slightly closer field goal and he got he has to kick the field goal. The, it, I have no criticism for Randy Reed right okay. there. I mean, I, I have zero. I have zero because they third and 11, the Bengals' chances of making that first down or like 15%. And even with the Chiefs' coverage, I mean, you stop the ball while it's in the air, and you still say, I don't know if this ball is going to get in there. Uh, that was just an incredible winning play. I, the Chiefs should have got the ball back, down by three or down by six. If Andy would have, you know, if the Bengals would have went down and kicked the field goal, Chiefs have 45 seconds left down by six. Wouldn't you give Mahomes a big chance to go win the game? I, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll do. I, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you in any way. I'll bet you the next time this comes up and it will come up again this year, I'll bet he goes for it. I, I think I think the most overrated player on this team is Harrison Butker. And, and he overpaid, by the way. I just do. I'm, I watch these other kickers around the league. Look, some teams have really crappy ones. We, we know that. I'm talking about the good kickers around the league. He is not in that conversation. We think he is in this town. He's not. He's not a top five kicker. He's just not, Stan. Well, that's a key, that's a, oh, it's, a, hey, it's a key component you're making right there. That discussion doesn't normally come up, okay? So Kevin Keesman just said something like you're able to do that's different than everybody else, okay? Now, if you want to debate and talk about he is a not, he's not an elite kicker, so I do not want to rely on him, and, and he's not that good from 55 yards, I get it, okay? So let, that's, a, that's an argument that takes us to another place. But let's just go back to everyone else's thoughts, Kevin, for a second. The Bengals were down by seven. When they were down 24 to 17, what did the Bengals do? Kick a field goal. Now, no one's talking about how stupid that was. You're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. You're down by seven. You've got to score touchdowns to win. They kicked the field goal, which when they scored the next touchdown, guess what? Gave them the lead. Field goals are still valuable. I know that Andy Reid went for fourth and goal to three. You know, that's a 50-50 play. And he went and got a touchdown by, uh, you know, three inches before the fumble occurred. It works. I'm not against the analytics, and I'm not against people going for fourth down. But I do not think it's an easy decision. It's often a 50-50, and there's a lot of variables that play out. So I have no 
criticism of the Chiefs, if you say, hey, I don't believe in Harrison Bucker, I don't think he's that great a kicker, now that's a different equation. People were saying that, Kevin. Your comment about Bucker was true when they had the backup kickers, right? That earlier this year, like Andy's like, oh, no, let's put Patrick Mahomes out there. So I'm not going to get mad at Andy if he goes for fourth and seven uh, against the Bengals. But I also didn't think that the field goal was a bad play. And when I was sitting watching it, I absolutely said, okay, field goal, let's tie this thing up. There's enough time left in the game to play this thing out. And Patrick's going to get another bite at the apple. He's going to get the ball again. And if the game's tied after the field goal or the Chiefs are three behind, it's unlikely the Bengals are going to go down and score a touchdown. So Patrick Mahomes is going to get the ball back down by three or down by six. Uh, Let's go. You play this thing out. And if he makes the field goal, you're tied. I had no problem with the field goal. But everyone acts like that is just the dumbest decision ever and aren't splitting the hairs of the whole game, which is the Bengals are slightly better than the Chiefs. The Bengals match up super well with the Chiefs. And these two teams are very, very even. All right, let's talk a little college football with Stan Weber. Brought to you by Buck Roofing and Construction online at rbuckroofing.com. Ron's team is available 24-7 for emergencies. You'll always sleep well knowing Buck Roofing fixed the roof over your head. 913-384-2680 or online at rbuckroofing.com. And my friends at the Finch Knife Company in Overland Park, Kansas, a great Kansas City company. This thing is going global. Finchknifeco.com is where you can order for the holidays and get a wonderful pocket knife. It's a great gift that will say you're really thinking about somebody special. Yes, indeed. Finchknifeco.com or... Many of you have gone to Shields. Apparently, they just fly right through these things at Shields. People walk in and say, where are the Finch knives? I want to see them. Go to Shields and check them out. Shields is a great place to shop. By the way, Stan, Shields is not a sponsor, but there's an unbelievable statue of Ronald Reagan right outside of Shields. And to read the plaque there by by the Reagan statue and shop at Shields is a wonderful thing to do this holiday season. I highly recommend that company. They are not a sponsor, but they do have Finch knives up there in their sporting goods area. If you go up uh, into where the, the hunting gear and stuff is, finchknifeco.com is the website, or check their knives out at Shields. Have you been to Shields, Stan? I have been there. Great conservative company right there, buddy. I'm telling you. I'm just saying. Anytime you get a chance to read something and uh, study what Ronald Reagan said, uh, that is excellent. I think everybody in America should be forced, no matter what their leanings are, to say, can't we respect one of our presidents that was part of our lifetime that could relate to us uh, with the world and where we are? Let's read some quotes from Ronald Reagan. I think that would do us all very, very good. Well, I was in Dallas for the Big 12 championship game this weekend, as were you, and I went by the Dallas Cowboys Golf Club because I just thought this is an interesting concept. Jerry Jones has built a golf course there. It's open to the public, and I knew that they had some, some nice pieces in there, and this isn't quite the Reagan statue, but it may be for you. It was Tom Landry. It was a display case. I think I sent you a picture. It was a beautiful uh, painting picture of Tom Landry and one of his hats on display in this case. What I liked about the Cowboys Golf Club was it wasn't all boogered up with a million other things, okay? There were replicas of the Super Bowl trophies. There was a Tom Landry display. There was a big blue star near the entrance of the clubhouse, but they didn't overdo it. It wasn't some gaudy thing where, like, every little player that ever played for the Dallas Cowboys had something represented at this golf course. It was one of the coolest themed golf courses I've ever seen, man. That state loves its Cowboys. I went up to their facility on Friday afternoon where they practice um, up in Frisco. Tour buses are rolling through. People are getting out of the tour buses, going through the facilities. It is unbelievable. It's like their their own Disney World. Even when they're not playing football, the Dallas Cowboys in that town, especially with visitors, it's like Disney World. 
There's no doubt about it. And that's one of the big themes that I have. I know you do not believe in Mike McCarthy as the Cowboys coach because you didn't believe in him as a Green Bay Packer coach. I have learned since he's been the Cowboys coach to not believe in him. But I'll say one thing for him or whomever the coach is for the Cowboys. It is hard to keep the players focused because they live in a fantasy world of distraction. If you go to the star, it's called where you went in Frisco. It's basically Jerry Jones saying, I'll build this here. We'll let you have high school indoor games in a small stadium, which ends up being a great, awesome workout facility indoors for the Dallas Cowboys becomes a community asset. When you go out one door of that facility, Kevin, at the star and that practice facility or small little dome that they have there, it is entertainment everywhere. It is Dallas Cowboy themed. It is a hot place. The real estate market and the development around is exploding. It's exploded around there because that's where Jerry Jones says we're hanging out. So that's a fact. So many things to see, including, Kevin, did you see the, the mini turf field that they have a Dallas yes. Cowboy field that isn't full hundred yards. But if you take your kids out there and throw the ball around and you're doing it, you know, maybe 50 yards away for where Dak Prescott is practicing right now or, or getting a massage or whatever. I mean, it is amazing. It's so much fun, right? The hotel's hooked into it, but the Cowboys facility, you may not know it has this building, two buildings, I believe kind of making an L attached to this indoor facility, but on the backside of it are practice fields. And it's supposed to be a calm place focused on football. So they try to separate it. Like on the backside, it's serious Dallas Cowboy football. On the other side is entertainment bill. People wanting to be there. You know, eating lunch around the Cowboys facility is a big deal for people in Dallas. Like, hey, the Cowboys are right over there. But the problem is the players are human beings, Kevin. And they know it's a circus around everything they do. It's just, it's hard for them to concentrate and respect the opponent and get away from all of this, hey, I'm a Dallas Cowboy, it's almost impossible because Jerry has done such a good job with this. It's crazy. I mean, you're talking about a golf club. Every place he stamps in Arlington, he put a giant stamp down, right? And now you see the development around AT&T Stadium and the Rangers being there, Six Flags. It is amazing what he did. But over to Scar, Kevin, what a, that's like a 45-minute drive it's away. A, it's a ways, yeah. He, he, he knows how to put his asset over here and maximize the value for the community and his pocketbook. He's great at it, but it's really hard for a Cowboys player, Kevin, to keep the focus, to keep the grind. You know, I said it was a marathon. It's hard for them because they keep acting like they're doing a show. You know, when Elvis was in Vegas, he did a show every night, and no matter how hungover he was or how bad he sang, you know what everyone said who was there? That was awesome. It was a W. But in the NFL, he would have got creamed, right? I mean, Elvis, that was a bad night. You got beat up. And we're going to talk about it for the next week. So in the NFL, it's one of the big problems for the Cowboys. Their players don't know how to concentrate and play with intensity every week because their regular life is just a sideshow yeah. of entertainment. And it's right there, what, 30 yards away from where they cool. do their work. There are people just having a blast and, and taking pictures and going, hey, this is where the Dallas Cowboys are. I, I came in from Europe, and I'm going to stop here and do tourist stuff. So it, cool. it's really hard to separate it all. Jerry Jones is brilliant at that stuff, yeah, right? It's, it's cool, and it's you know it's a great place for the Big 12 championship game. We'll talk more about the Cowboys down the road. I'll, I'll, I want to get to this K-State game. Uh, the Cowboys, actually, the computer says right now, are the favorites of any team in the NFL to make the Super Bowl. The computer says. Ah, we'll save that for another day, Stan. We're not going there right now. That's what the computer says. Kansas State. Thank you. Don't let me start. Exactly. Don't let me start on that. <laughs> Kansas State takes care of TCU. They won the game twice. We see this a lot in football. 
because it's a tough sport. You have to win a game twice. Kansas State pretty much thought they had the game won. Man, this Max Duggan for TCU, I don't think I've ever seen a tougher player. He's right up there with Colin Klein, who played at Kansas State a decade ago. Tough, 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 bleeding, battered, bruised, knocked all over the place, come back, get the game tied, and then K-State makes a defensive stand to hold TCU out of the end zone, gets the field goal to win it, and they're the Big 12 champs. It was everything you could want in a championship game. The 11 o'clock window, Kevin, I know you care about TV ratings and football, and it's fun to hear how you monitor that kind of stuff, the media. You've been pointing out how the 11 o'clock games have become a feature ratings bonanza uh, that, that teams want to play at 11 o'clock. When everyone's so hungry for football, they're, tu- they're tuning it in. And even if they have games that they're interested in with their teams later in the day, they can't help themselves, right? So here's K-State, TCU kicking off at 11 o'clock. It was the only championship game played on Saturday where you had two top 10 teams going at it. It had all the reasons to be an elite game, and then they put on that show in AT&T Stadium uh, with, you know, the top announcers in college football for Curb Street there as well doing the ball game. So it was set up to be awesome, and it went off the charts. Max Duggan's chances of winning the Heisman went up. It's going to be close, and I'm going to be voting on it here in the next few hours. Uh, today's the deadline, and so i got to decide who I'm going to vote for. I had Max Duggan knocking on the door to be my number one guy anyway, but there are a lot of people now that have him knocking on the door and have a lot of consideration if they haven't voted yet, Kevin, because just like Colin Klein, man, how about the elbow bleeding and going down his forearm? Just like Colin Klein in 2011 when he had his coming out party at the U at Miami when K-State won a game. You know how they won that game, Kevin? How about that goal line stand? That game that Colin Klein won was a goal line stand against uh, the Miami Hurricanes. So here we go. It, this, this was great theater. Uh, everyone in the country just had such great respect for both these teams, how they played. Uh, it went to overtime. You didn't know who was going to win the game. You could tell these two teams were even, and they were battling and they were playing something for something that meant a lot. It wasn't all about college football playoff or rankings or anything else. This game mattered. It, it was awesome. And for K-State to go out there and play the way they did, uh, play the goal line stand with third and third and inches at the goal line in overtime to fight back from you know one of their most reliable players, Philip Brooks, catching punt is hard, and he fumbled it. He fumbled a punt, and he never does that. When K State had the lead, they're going to get the ball. They had the lead. Here we go, K State, and with that fumble, TCU gets riled up, makes some plays, comes back from eleven, makes a two point conversion, and you got to think, hey, this undefeated TCU team that has done an amazing job of winning close games. You realize, Kevin, they won games seven games in a row by 10 points or less. That's the best any team has ever done since 1975. This team knows how to win at the end. And TCU fans are like, finally, finally, we caught those cats. Now we're going to make a play and win. We're going to do it. And it's K-State that played better in the overtime. So, like you said, to bounce back and win that game, and maybe you said two times, you might even say three. TCU rolled down the field and led seven to nothing, Kevin. And then they rolled down the field again, and you're going, uh oh, K State's not moving the ball. TCU's on fire. They've shown that they've got this unbelievable wide receiver in Clinton Johnson. He already has a 53 yard reception. Their quarterback's throwing the ball. Everything's going well. And then they miss a field goal. I said it on the air so many times. Why it's probably just so tired of me here saying this. Missed field goals lead to momentum for the opponent all the time. I don't know why it happened, but it did again. Instead of being up 10 nothing, K-State took off, was the better team from that point until the muffed punt, 
and then it was TCU's time to be better in case they'd had to react one more time to win the ball game. Just an amazing job. Just an incredible win for K-State. Uh, if TCU and K-State played, they would be even. Five each in ten games. Yep. And just think about that for a second. Do you believe that TCU is a legitimate team in the college football playoff? Do they deserve to be thought of as one of the four best teams in the country? I do, based on the resume, based on the season, yes. Now, if you're asking and me... K-State is equal. K-State is uh, equal with them. So... Uh, here we go. I, you know, you got to talk about the rigor of every game. But Kevin, I was not intimidated by TCU when K State played them the first time. I thought K State was going to use quarterback run game with Adrian Martinez and beat them. Well, Didn't work out that way. When they matched up this time, I tried not to respect TCU. There's a funny thing that happened during the Oklahoma State game. Will Howard start against OSU. Kevin was right after the TCU loss. Remember that? And during that game, I said on the air on the K State Network. I respect TCU, and I do not want to disrespect TCU, but I think K-State's the best team in the Big 12. I said that at that point in the year. And so I've believed that all throughout, that TCU's really good, but K-State's no different. They match up just fine with TCU. Well, I don't think Will Howard's lost a game he started. That's what I'll say. So could Kansas State be in the yeah, college football playoff? True. We can have that discussion all day. I think Kansas State would have made it into the playoff had Will Howard started. Every every conference championship, every every conference, every conference champion should be in the playoff. That's by right. The way. That's you right. You want to and, get on and, the and I Dan not, Weber, KK, uh, Soapbox, you and I agree on this. Utah should be in yes, the agreed. playoff. Now, K-State I, I, should I, be in the playoff. I've not seen That's that. That's the way the NFL does it. I've not seen that in the fine print of the 12-team playoff. Have you? Uh, yes, it is. Well, no, well, here's what, here's what it says, Kevin. The fine print says this, be very careful. There are 10 conferences. There are 10 conferences. You got to respect every conference for just a second. Five power conferences, 10 overall. What it says specifically is the best six champions get a buy. So if you were the seventh best champion, you might get left out. But basically, I don't think that's going to come into play. If you win a power five conference, you're going to get in. Conference champions yeah. do get in automatically, and oh, by the way, no, Kevin, they don't automatically. The print, no, they don't automatically. What no, if, no. Kansas, if Kansas State had lost another game and was a four-loss team and went and won that game in overtime Saturday? I don't think they'd be in. They would have been the well, seventh and the one is out. Is the Mid America champ the Sun Belt? There's got to be two. The two trump you out. They're going to find somebody one. somewhere. You wait and see. They'll find somebody somewhere. Okay, but let's just go back to this. Not only do the conference champions get set up to have a real opportunity, let's say it that way, a high likelihood of making the playoff, period. They also are the only ones eligible for the four buys. Do you realize if this were two years from now in advance, Clemson and K-State would be getting a buy right now in a 12-team playoff. You have to be a conference champion to get one of the four buys. Notre Dame is not eligible to ever get a buy until they get in a conference. So we've got K-State and Clemson, literally, Kevin, would be waiting for a bowl game while eight other teams played at a home site next Saturday. That's crazy. Or sometime like that. Isn't that crazy? I think conference championships should matter, and K-State should be in the championship. No disrespect to TCU and the whole thing. You know, they can be in the playoff as well. I'm okay with that. But the teams that won those games and won their conference, however the rules are set up in that conference, it's like the you, NFL. You, you, you win the division. You, no one cares that the, the Bucks have a losing record yeah. at the end of this. You have to stop rewarding teams that don't make their title games, and you have to start rewarding teams that win their title games. That's all I know. Because if we're going to play yeah, them, Ohio it's about State's money. Out there, right. Ohio State sat there, did nothing, and USC, if they would have done nothing, would have been in. It, yeah. They exposed themselves to Utah, and they get 
It's no disadvantage. It's stupid. You know, this doesn't make any sense. Well, we're getting it fixed. We're getting it fixed. I want to, one more thought yeah. here on this one, and then we'll, I want to talk to you about KU and MU and their bowl games. This from Twitter, Chris Sims, who played at Texas, who's a college football analyst. You said, you know, everybody's in agreement of what they saw Saturday. Well, not Chris Sims. This is unbelievable what I'm about to read for you, Stan. Here's what Chris Sims put on Twitter. TCU in the college football playoff? The Big 12 sucks, and I played in the Big 12. I know what the resumes are, but the middle class of the SEC would win the Big 12. Thoughts? Wrong. Um, I, I've, I've had this discussion with some people because with my son now being in the SEC, I got a new set of friends who have SEC bias, and I have objectivity. So I can tell you how tough it is in the SEC, but I can also remind you for simplicity that they play eight conference games. They don't play nine. They don't have to play everybody in their conference. It hit, it's hit or miss who they play. In the Big 12, you've got to play everybody. And there are no bad teams this year. Wrong year to say it, Chris Sims. Wrong year. KU, Texas Tech, Iowa State. These teams were rough. Uh, Baylor, a 6-6 six and six team, is like an SEC 6-6 six and six team, right? I mean, they play a high level of football. So this is the wrong year to have that argument. TCU deserves to be in there. Let me tell you what sucks. The Big Ten. And they got two teams in the college football playoff. The Big Ten sucks, Kevin. I, Penn State's not that good. The, the whole West, the, the Big Ten West, come on, Kevin, not even close. The pac is better this year. They're okay. And, oh, by the way, the ACC, if you want to just argue about the SEC and say all four teams, is Chris Sims saying all four teams should have come from the SEC? Unless he argues that, I don't want to hear it. Because right. Michigan had to fight like crazy to beat Purdue, right? They had to kick a late field goal. Who was it they barely beat on a late field goal? Recently, Ohio State looked awful against Northwestern, looked bad against Maryland, uh, got whipped by Michigan. Hey, the ACC has one good team. They're named Clemson, okay? The, the Big Ten has two good teams, and they are in the college football playoff. The Pac-12 has about five good teams this year. They went through a tough, tough schedule. And the Big 12 has two good teams. K-State and TCU could all be in the college football playoff. Uh, Georgia may kill everybody, okay? Georgia may kill everybody. But those other teams, Kevin, they're not that much different. Ohio State's not that much better or different than everybody else in the country, and either is Michigan, either is TCU. We should have a playoff that's done by objectivity like the NFL. Give me teams that you know how you're going to get there before the season starts. Let them play it out, and let's go. So college football does not have the super elite unless Georgia's that team. I'll right. give them the opportunity. But I, if K-State played Michigan right now, I would not be scared at all, Kevin. I'm telling you, it would be down to the last five minutes. I'd bet a lot of money that K-State-Michigan would come down to the last five minutes of the game with a toss-up game. All right, let's move on to Missouri and Kansas, who are not playing each other in a bowl game. This seems like the biggest joke ever. Uh, Missouri's in the Gasparilla Bowl, so I guess they can make an argument, look, we got into a better bowl. We get to go to Tampa. It's going to be warm. We'll take our fans. We're not stuck in Memphis. Whatever, they're going to play Wake Forest. There's no juice in that game, but it is Tampa. Kansas plays Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl, and for the life of me, I cannot figure out why this is not KU and MU. I'm happy for both schools. I'm happy they're both in bowl games. This is fine, but this is it, it, the bowl games are deteriorating every year, Stan, and if the bowls are going to miss things like this, the bowl system, even after we get a 12-team playoff, the bowl system's got some real rethinking to do about what works and what doesn't work. Missouri's saying this wasn't on them, 
But everybody is reporting this was on Missouri, that they didn't want any part of this, that they wanted to go to Tampa, let their fans go down in the warm sunshine, blah, 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 whatever. This is a missed opportunity. I cannot believe this is happening. Well, I think it's good for you to say that and uh, either dig in to find out more about the truth or put the pressure on Missouri because I tell you what, it, it, it may not be Missouri's statement, but it sure looks like it's probable that they're saying, please don't have us play KU. And the fact that some of the Missouri uh, media and so forth is, is quoting that Kentucky's coming in to play the Missouri Tigers on that Saturday, and they don't want to have a bowl game at the same time Kentucky comes in town. Are you kidding me? Someone's mentioning basketball in the SEC as being comparable to a football game, Kevin? Really? The SEC? Come on. That, that excuse cannot be true. Uh, the SEC decides where their teams are going to go. Greg Sankey decides, not Missouri. Uh, Missouri didn't want to go to the bowl game they went to last year, and Greg Sankey said that's where you're going to go. And no one that's the way the SEC is. They don't deal with the office. So maybe he decided that he didn't want Missouri to play KU. Maybe they're innocent, but it sure is just a missed opportunity. Uh, it, it would have been awesome to see those two teams go at it, and it would have been a pretty even game. It would have reminded us so much of the rivalry. And, man, Memphis would have been on fire. The Liberty Bowl could have been sold out. It could have been a feature game that people wanted to watch. Now it's just another afterthought, right? I mean, for us, we care about Kansas, Arkansas. But do you think the country cares about the Liberty Bowl right now? No. They would have loved seeing Missouri and Kansas. They would have heard about the hatred and understood Big 12 versus SEC. There would have been some juice to it. So uh, I w- until proven otherwise, I'm going to lean toward uh, Missouri did have something to say about it and didn't want to play Kansas this year, uh, which is sad. I wish they would have played each other. And uh, But congratulations for Missouri getting to a bowl game. Obviously, quadruple congratulations for Kansas. And then now this becomes a legitimate opportunity. Uh, the bowl system, one of the biggest things that's hurting the bowl system, Kevin, right now obviously is the opt-outs and the coaches' moves. I'm not going to blame the players. Coaches and players make too many movements from the end of the season until they play the bowl game. And it's just hard to go to the game and not hear about you know, when K-State plays Alabama, what happens if K-State beats Alabama, Kevin? You know what they're going to say? Oh, Alabama didn't care. Or the Heisman Trophy quarterback did not play. And you get all those kind of question marks, and that's what's wrong with the bowl system. Uh, for some reason, these agents, these handlers, these players, these coaches are too distracted about the future and don't value what is really a cool opportunity to play a big game. So going into the game, I'll say this. Kansas, if you beat Arkansas, you beat a legitimate team. Arkansas is a legitimate tough opponent for Kansas to beat. Man, they should be patting themselves on the back big time if they get through and win this bowl game. It is a legitimate big-time bowl win. And for K-State, it's absolutely that way. And, Kevin, I've been on the field with number one Nebraska. I was a defensive back my freshman year, okay? You know who came off the bench as the third-string running back and the greatest player I ever played against? (laughs) Roger Craig. (laughs) Roger Craig. Okay? My point is, I was out there on the field with Nebraska in Lincoln when they were great, and they got ahead of us. And we kept our starters out there battling like crazy because it was a game, right? You know who they sent in? Their backups. You know who was harder to play against for the Nebraska Cornhuskers? A super awesome team under Tom Osborne back in the day. I guarantee you, Kevin, the backups who are going to be superstars in the future, who are going to be NFL players, who are fresh, and who wanted a piece of the action – and wanted to play significant downs, not just kneel down downs, and wanted to score touchdowns and make plays. You know who was harder to beat? The backups. So I don't care if seven 
or 10 or 13 Alabama players opt out, Kevin, it still will be Alabama because they are future NFL stars who are going to be more fired up about playing than you can ever imagine. I hope Alabama starters play not only for integrity, but if K-State wins, I think they have a better chance of beating Alabama's starters than they do beating Alabama's backups because these are superstar, five-star players who will want to play like you can't believe. So don't ever let me for a second hear anybody say, oh, but Alabama didn't try in the bowl game, Kevin. I'm not putting up with it. This is the one time to play in the stinking Sugar Bowl. Alabama's coach is still Nick Saban. He wants to win. He is an old-school dude who values the game and does not want to have on his resume a loss to K-State, a three-loss team from the Big 12 that the SEC doesn't even respect. This is a giant game for Kansas. It's a giant game for K-State. And if they win, I don't care anything about what you say other than that was a big, big-time win. And I'll be doing backflips if K-State beats Alabama in their only time ever to play against Nick Saban. Does that make sense, Kevin? I'm I think, not making an excuse for K-State. I, I think I'm not Stan, making an excuse. I'm telling you, Alabama's great, even their backups. I think Stan Weber doing backflips on Bourbon Street on New Year's Eve would be a wonderful uh, uh, video montage on Twitter. I would love to see that. Love I will give that. it a shot. I don't know where I'm going to land, Kevin, <laughs> but I'm going to get. I'll be up high enough that my head doesn't scrape the That's first time awesome. around. That is awesome. We will. Uh, if you're wondering why I'm not asking him specifically about the matchups, we'll wait. Let's give this a week or two, see who's playing and who's not playing, and we'll break these games down. Stan will get some chance to take a look at Wake Forest. He knows Arkansas very, very well and Alabama very well, but we'll get into the uh, matchups of these bowl games on a later podcast. Stan, you're awesome. Incredible Monday. Thank you so much for carrying me as I'm fighting this uh, chest cold. Appreciate you very much, buddy. Thank you. Well, thanks, Kevin. I do want to make a quick shout-out. It's kind of a dual shout-out. Not every listener on KK Has Issues has to have any association or respect for K-State. I totally get that. No problem. But there were a lot of people, Kevin, down in Arlington. I traveled separate from, separate from the team. I was not in that normal bubble. So I went out after the game for a while because I had a plane flight later on my own back to Kansas City. I ran into so many people. Thanks for saying you love listening to us on Monday on KK Has Issues, number one. And overall, from a K-State perspective, Thanks for being down there, man. That was unbelievable. The number of people that traveled, the, the place being filled with a school 20 miles away from their TCU, and there were more K-State fans. And they brought it at college game day. They brought it the whole game, and they were partying afterward. And they were on the planes, and I was flying back. Man, K-State Nation coming out of the woodwork, helped the Wildcats win, and it was so much fun. Kevin, I'm glad you were there. This may be just a K-State thing. But the ability to travel and care and be a part of, of the festivities and winning is an awesome thing to be associated with. So thank you, all you K-State fans, and especially the ones who said, hey, I hear you with Kevin Keithman on KK Has Issues, and that's awesome. <laughs> thank you, buddy. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Okay, thanks, Kevin. Thanks. There's Stan Weber. That's just awesome. Thank you. And I ran into a lot of nice people that listen to the podcast, too. Thanks to all of them for doing that. Thanks to Stan for carrying me on this Monday where I'm still fighting this little cold I've had this weekend. It is all good. Nothing a little uh, time spent in my home won't uh, relieve me just a little bit. And you always want your home to be comfortable. That's what Cross Kitchens KC is all about. If you're looking to remodel or just redo a few things like countertops or, or floors, Cross Kitchens KC is your go-to remodeler in the Kansas City area. Tim Cross works on every project himself. That's one of the great things. Family owned and operated in Belton, Missouri. Call 816-898-7047. He'll come right out to your house with free consultation. Take a look around and say, hey, we could probably do this, this, this. 
You want me to put it together? We'll show you a 3D rendering. Then you guys decide whether you want to do it or not. No pressure. Simple stuff with crosskitchenskc.com. And of course, John and Heather, my friends over at Amazing Garage Floors. Heather was a hit at our uh, gathering last week with the sponsors in Prairie Village. She is a star at Amazing Garage Floors. She doesn't listen to the podcast as much as John does, but she's awesome to work with when it comes time to get your garage floor done. It's amazinggaragefloors.net, 913-901-7139. And here's an opportunity. Amazing Garage Floors is expanding to Springfield and St. Louis, and they're looking for franchisees. If you would like to own and operate your own business, with the help of John and Heather, they'll teach and train you and supply you with everything that you need and you love Springfield or the St. Louis area, these businesses are flourishing. Amazing Garage Floors. Work with them, for them, as the franchisee. Own and operate your own business. If you know a young person wants to start out in their own business, you can do this. It's not a huge startup cost. It's a great winning business. 913-901-7139. Again, looking for franchise owner-operators in Springfield, Missouri, and St. Louis, Missouri. Contact Heather or John at AmazingGarageFloors.net. What a wonderful opportunity. Tired of working for somebody else? Work for yourself with your own company at Amazing Garage Floors. Really, really cool stuff. So what John and Heather decided to do many years ago, they've been so happy working for themselves. That's great. Really, really cool stuff. As is Stan Weber, who joins us for the football feast on KKHI. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!